0: It's time for another episode of Off The Record, On The Rocks. Join Michael Toner and Ankarina Lara and break down the latest news on all things crypto, metaverse, and web 3 filtering out noise and connecting dots as we pour ourselves into the future. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another Off The Record, On The Rocks with my good friend, Mr. Ankarina Lara. How are you doing, sir? Oh,
1: Michael, I'm doing great just doing great as his lunar new year has kicked off with some auspiciousness I mean I think we can uh we can all give a hand clap maybe for the markets this week a little hand clap
0: we have not talked about the moon recently and uh but but we did make some predictions going into the this particular week in February uh looking at oh right after Valentine's Day past episode We've been hyper-focused in from January, February, watching every move from Gary Ginsler, everyone on Capitol Hill, every brand coming into Web3. And we were like, you know what? It just sort of makes sense that the, the, the road's been cleared now, that the JP Morgans of the world, the, the Jamie Diamonds are now ready to walk in and back up the dump trucks. And here we are with the single biggest price surge in cryptocurrency, 1.1 billion coming in from where? What's your take? Single biggest price move day
1: in USDC ever? Is that correct? I, I, if you read it that way, I think that that's right. I mean, it's, it was all, look, I mean, let's take a step back. We've been, uh, we've been talking about the, the impending movement. We were feeling it, right? SEC coming in, certain things are gonna be called securities. Every country in the world coming out saying, I'm gonna do a CBDC, a central bank digital currency. If the United States is gonna be a fast follow or should have been first mover, but it's a fast follower, then you know they're about to go to war against all the stable coins And talk about USDC, talk about Tether. You got your friends at Ripple XRP who are still in court. They're all trying to find that thing that quote unquote pegs to the dollar. And the government's not going to want anybody doing that except for them. So that was a signal, I think, to whoever it was or whomever or whatever, moving 1.5, 1.6 billion in and out. I mean, gosh, it could be someone like uh, it could be Jack Dorsey. It could be Apple, it could be Microsoft, it could be anyone working on the Lightning Network, but someone is saying, now's the time, Uh, Bitcoin is not going to get wrapped up in the regulation that all the rest of this crazy crypto stuff is with Gensler and the SEC, so great time to be a Bitcoin maxi, I'd say.
0: Uh, I I am. We're gonna come to your Bitcoin Maxi because there's some other NFT Bitcoin Maxi stuff to get to. I know we touched on last time with Ordinals, but I, I'm looking at this as according to data from Look on Chain, nearly 1.6 billion in institutional funds Oof. have flowed into the crypto markets over the past six days. Most of the 1.6 billion flowed from stablecoins, especially Circle issued USD coin. So I mean, Circle is one we've talked about. We've 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 talked about Square. We've talked about uh, you know these companies, these peer to peer exchanges that have been established. What's your take here on the you know single biggest price move day? Who who is it? You know, what does Circle have to do with this? Circle's been around for a little while now, coming out of Boston, Massachusetts. We we got to talk about our boy Gary Gensler, and <laughs> and get to the timing of uh, you know SBF and these bond guarantors. This was just this week, so I mean that's a lot to to push us forward. What's your take on all that?
1: Yeah, so uh, you know we we talk about people trying to steal the narrative, people trying to obfuscate the truth. I mean, they're flying Chinese balloons over the United <laughs> States trying to steal the narrative. So I'm thinking, yeah. you know, all roads are leading back to Boston. All roads lead back to New York. Circle started in Boston. What else is in Boston or adjacent? Your MIT Media Labs. Where does Sam Bankman-Fried, Caroline Ellison and Gary Gensler all hail from? MIT. Um, could some of the 1.6 billion that was moved around be money that's moved by Sam Bankman-Fried's family's friends to post his bond? Who knows? They have a hard time keeping Sam Bankman-Fried off the damn VPN. He could be moving money around in the back door with, you know, who knows? Um, I feel like Circle also is one of those guys who was trying to play by the rules early on. There was a period where it's like the Southern District of New York where they, they do all the legislation around this stuff, was trying to create... These bit licenses back in the day, I want to say there was like 12 or 13 or 14 of them. They were going to dole them out almost like they dole out liquor licenses into Boston bars, where it's one in and one out, right? You can't just make 20. You got to have the 14. And they had one of those. And they're, you know, I hate to say it, but it's like a little bit of talking out of both sides of your mouth. They position themselves as a peer-to-peer exchange, which, if you want to look good in the eyes of the SEC and Gary Gensler, is what you want to be saying out loud because as soon as you start talking about exchanges where there is an exchange token, well, now you're just going into the FTX land of criminal activity. So Circle is like, hey, we don't we don't do that. We're peer-to-peer. These are people moving money between each other, and we facilitate it. There's no shadowy false accounts that are maybe or maybe not backing the actual cash that's going on here. So Circle seems like they're okay, but still someone decided that – you got to get out of circle to the tune of $1.6 billion and get back into Bitcoin. So maybe the writing is also on the wall that these peer-to-peer exchanges that might have seemed like they were on the right side of the New York Bit licenses and seemed on the right side of regulation are not actually going to be on the right side of it. Um, whenever I see someone – I mean, to me, it's the same way that CZ, the head of Binance, when he pulled out all that FTX token – effectively bottoming out what end up exposing you know ftx for not having the funds on hand are people pulling their money out of circle and will circle be able to to keep standing up i mean this is it feels like whoever is making the move is seemingly tied in some way shape or form to the mit crew who's uh you know again on home arrest and still online and still talking in twitter spaces and uh, not yet has even gone before Congress. It's a yeah, very, very strange situation.
0: It, it is. And we, we. I mean, we talked about the strange situation. You've got multiple uh, government entities vying for control, sort of authority over this arena. I think Gensler has made a real strong play for the SEC uh, and starting to at least describe what of these are going to be considered securities, what are not, I mean, at least in terms of how they've been, uh, levying fines and, and making public statements and going on Twitter spaces and making videos about staking. So the sec really, I think at least giving some signal to the market of what is going to be allowable and what is not. When we talked about clearing the way, just setting some guidelines for the rules. What are the rules of engagement here? If I'm a, if I'm an individual investor, if I'm an institutional investor, if I'm a brand and a company who wants to carry crypto on the books, what are the rules, guys? And if, if Gensler is able to give some framework from that, even if it's not in black and white ink right now, um, I just saw literally three hours ago, this is in uh, CNBC, former Boston Celtics star Paul Pierce settles with the SEC over crypto violations three hours ago. So, you think about cleaning up, right? Cleaning up. We've 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 levied the uh, the fines against uh, Kim Kardashian. We've gone for the highs. We've it described what's going to be considered a security. We've sort of named the players with whom we we're going to allow to do this. Um, I, I think that, to me, also, when I see such a drastic move into buying cryptocurrency, you know, buying the bottom and and knowing when the bottom is in and backing up the dump trucks as i described to buy these are institutional buys would be my hypothesis you know if we're we're making guesses this to me are now clearing the way for the banks to back up their their coffers and and buy low
1: or now that you just say that i have another another take which is you know, if Paul Pierce is gonna be levied a fine that mirrors a Kardashian level, fine. I, I think it I just checked in that the tweet said it was a seven figure fine. I wanna say Kim was like one point three or one point four million if Paul Pierce is in that same range. You know, they're they're finding a, a range that's tolerable slash payable for the celebrities, right? About one between one and one point five. What's tolerable and payable for the Krakens of the world and the Coinbases and Who knows? Up the future circles. Pricing the market (laughs) about twenty to thirty million. About right. They don't have to worry about making regulation. They're just showing up and kind of like writing their little speeding tickets.
0: Right. Uh, We have uh, a fine we'd like to levy. Um, What's your budget uh, before we give you the
1: (laughs) ticket? Well, and, and it, it's, like, it's like a cop, you know, pulls you over and is pulling the thing out. and like, okay, let me see. What kind of car is this? Is it a sports car? And you seem famous. Okay, here you go. 1.2 million. So now I wonder, though, if enough celebrities are getting handed these speeding tickets, because, you know, it's not just Paul Pierce. It's not just Kim Kardashian. There were so many others. I don't know who else was on the Ethereum Max. I want to say Floyd Mayweather might have been pump, pumping some crazy coin and, you know i mean if we haven't even gone down the ftx road and talked to steph curry and matt damon and tom brady and all these guys maybe there's some number of people but maybe those fines are being you know like like what if one part of the 1.6 billion is moving money from you know usd into to bitcoin because paul pierce needs to pay a fine <laughs> like maybe he's like shit, i gotta get some bitcoin and pay this fine because i don't have that cash laying around yeah. Like, maybe this is actually a big move to just cover off on all the the speeding tickets the SEC is making. It's not even anything to do with, you know, someone, quote, loading up on the bottom. But, yeah, I think that this is a moment where they they have to say something in black and white, like you said, really soon. Because you can't just keep going around writing tickets for violations if the law isn't printed for you to follow, right? It feels like the cart's coming before the horse a little bit. And I... I, I, I think you're right. Who pushes There's... back first? I mean, someone's going to have to say, no, show me the law. But who's going to be that person that's going to push back first? Because I feel like all these guys want to pay the fines because, in their mind, it's like, okay, I'm paying the the tax to stay relevant in crypto. And if that's what I have to pay, that's just a cost of doing business.
0: Right. And, and paying a fine in some degree continues to legitimize the market.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's weird, right? <laughs> So that's so strange. It's interesting. It's it's true. It's like how much would the SEC have to make in a year to justify the existence of the entire crypto market? Do you think they view it as a percentage of like all value and play? Oh man,
0: I I think when the thing that stands out to me of they gotta say something soon. I think that's. In many ways, I think it's what this ongoing conversation you and I are having is about. It's like they are saying things. They're just doing it in the way that these government regulators have always done things. And it's slow, and it's drip, 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 and it's by enforcement, and it's well-placed media, timed stories and interviews and high-profile celebrity finds. And it's it's this steering from from behind and from the sides that the the regulatory agencies in, in and behind closed doors, you know, setting up the infrastructure to make sure it can be track, tracked and taxed, and that it, you know, meets the, uh, say the need or the requirement of the federal government for these, for these businesses or these transactions to exist. And I think th- the other pressure here, not just from probably the big banks, the brands, celebrities, everyone who wants to participate in this market here in the States, but you can't underestimate the global pressure for, you know, uh, uh, for a CBDC. And it's a good segue into, you know, what the UAE is doing and issuing a CBDC as part of its financial transformation program. So now there's global pressure to create these efficiencies that a CBDC offers. Um, you know, I think that's going to force the U.S. to respond soon.
1: Yeah. And as I think about the UAE, just in general, you're talking about one of the most resource-rich uh, and like in, in terms of the UAE specifically as a small part of the Middle East at large, a, a high concentration of wealth, being wealth to where it doesn't exist. The the number is so big, it almost doesn't even exist. You can do whatever you want. But from, you know, anecdotally, um, I have some friends and family who have uh, business travel to and from the UAE. And the amount of gold, cash, jewels, and diamonds just Physical valuable stuff that's there is really high. And when I, you know, you think, we talk about how in the US, gosh, our whole fiat banking system and the carbon footprint in these giant buildings at Wells Fargo and Bank of America and Union Bank that are brightly lit and being cleaned constantly. The floors are squeaky clean and reflective because they're being buffed. And it's air conditioned. And there's like two tellers and the whole place is empty. There's a big old vault and there's tons of money in it. And it have to be guarded and driven around. All that. Like That's the America. It's not like we have that much money in the banks. Like We couldn't even walk down to the Wells Fargo right now and ask for five grand. They'd be like, oh, hang on a second. Yeah. We don't have that. We'll, we'll give get that to you days days on Monday. <laughs> but like, you go to UAE, I mean, you're talking like whole bunkers just buried, gold, jewels, whatever. They're like, dude, we need the CBDC so fast because we can't – I mean, this stuff is going to deteriorate. They're probably looking at these stacks of 20s from the 70s and 80s and being like, these things are almost breaking and half. They're so brittle. They want the CBDC because they want to protect their wealth because literally gravity and the elements is going to destroy it. You know, they have a different problem than we do in a weird way.
0: I mean, it's fascinating to think exactly that it is solving a problem. And I used that word efficiency a moment ago when I was talking about the efficiencies that a CBDC would create. And you know, efficiencies are the thing that lead to sustainability efforts. Uh, if you can create efficiencies in supply chains and all those things that you just described and the physical infrastructure that's required to operate them and the pollution that it causes, the energy that it wastes. And you bring that just to the financial markets. You bring a level of efficiency just to the financial markets. I'm not talking about anything else. And think about the energy saved. (laughs) So people talked about Bitcoin as being, you know, energy uh, uh, inefficient and the mining and the computing power. But I really think that at a global scale, at a zoomed out macro, you know, intergalactic scale, and you when you look at it, it could be the thing that allows us to truly you know (laughs) save the planet but like stop all that nonsense what do we need all that stuff for um if we can keep track of it more efficiently
1: and then to pile on top of that efficiency you know path that just pulling that thread further is you know you think about the world as, as we talk about our global community and you know, we've lived long enough that we've heard enough presidents and heads of state talk about how it's a global economy. Right. The United States does not exist without a China does not exist without a Russia, without a UK, for better or for worse. Right. No one exists in isolation because we're a global community. The Internet made us aware of each other, probably in the worst ways. Right. The Internet was allowed to bubble up the trolls and the hate. And we saw that, of course, come to a crescendo during pandemic. So now we're saying, well if we want to really be efficient as a global community, we got to break down certain barriers. First one, the value and transaction of value. Second one, probably language. And technology right oh, now geez. is showing us that we can normalize the playing field for currency. Now every country is going to make their own CBDCs because they want to control their own stuff. But ultimately, it's going to have to work together on some layer. Let's just call it Bitcoin for now. And then you're like, <laughs> "Okay, now we have engineers and developers who are writing code in one language, oh, the language of beautiful. ones and zeros." So. The beautiful thing about the the efficiencies (laughs) that we're moving towards, and honestly, you got to start somewhere. And where people care is about cash. So start where people care, and then everything will grow from that. So I feel like we're planting a seed, a technologist Bitcoin maxi seed in the ground, maybe in the desert, maybe not. But we're going to water the crap out of it, and we're going to take the beanstalk all the way up to Xanadu,
0: dude. When you talk (laughs) about you know the one language piece i'm gonna go off on a completely different tangent right now but this is Better. kind of cool did you see or have you seen some of the uh, ai video technology that has just come out like in the past four or five days there's a couple of these ai sort of stable diffusion type programs i don't even know the name of this one because I, I, they're just every day there's a new one but uh, it allows you to upload a video and then tell the AI you want it to play it in a a claymation format and it will Mm. in real time re-render the video. The other thing I saw using AI to basically place the pattern over it. The other one I saw was uh, taking a single movie frame and, and 3d modeling the face and layering back on over the mouth, a new language. So you could hear it Mm. in English. You could hear it in Spanish. You could hear it in Japanese and the actor's mouth looks like it was saying what it's saying. I'll bring all this back around, which is imagine the efficiencies of using this technology to create a movie and sell it. And immediately it can be produced in every language. The, the, the community who can instantaneously be entertained is global. And now everyone wants to buy a ticket to this movie. How do you buy it? You're not buying it in cash. You're buying it with your wallet, your digital wallet when you show up and it works in any currency in any country around the world. Anyway, it's a bit of a, a departure. It just excited me because... No, it's, it's not this, a departure. It's, it's this on. Confluence. I mean, this just massive melding of all these technologies, web three, AI, immersive experiences on the web, the social web. I mean, it's it's crazy to see where it's going.
1: No, and I think too, when you're talking in the, as as the AI for that video example you gave with the claymation overlay, as that actually becomes more close to real time, like as the processing brings that to more real time experience, you know, you imagine the for real United Nations, you know, is it is it the galactic Senate, Senator Palpatine, where instead of having someone sitting next to me, and whispering the translation or I sit with the like janky cream colored earpiece and here's some guy in a booth do the translation. I actually just watch Putin on a screen speaking to the United Nations, hopefully at some point and explaining what the hell's going on. And every single person is just looking at the phone and watching it in their language him, seeing him speak in their language with yeah. the intonation as they would expect i mean what you're describing i think is actually really cool just for again the one language of society we're not going to boil the, the, the world down into five languages but what if everyone could just hear everything all the time in their language we wouldn't have any more miscommunication issues well that's not true <laughs> but would be closer
0: when you're talking about again this idea of one language trying to keep it in the realm of of cryptocurrency, this is again, a bit of an aside here, but, uh, this week there was the, like the world government association and our boy, Elon Musk, uh, was up on the screen in front of these folks, I believe in the UAE is where the act physical conference was. This was the video I saw one of the things that stood out to me. And I did watch a couple of the clips and snippets. I did not watch the whole thing end to end, but one of the things that stood out to me was he talked about sort of the. Uh, he was, I think describing his one app, this X app mm-hmm. and he, but he was talking about the need for, he didn't call it biodiversity, but it was almost like the cultural diversity between countries is actually a good thing, uh, that it keeps us, uh, sustainable as a, as a world society. And he, he had to kind of walk a thin line there. Cause he's like, I'm not advocating for war right? Because you really take that theory to the max that mm-hmm. you're saying that it's good for countries to have friction. Uh, but he talked about it in terms of, uh, innovation and new ideas and new economies and new, you know, new economic engines. I mean, I don't have another word to describe, but just that that does happen when you talk about, uh, we talk about China. We talk about Russia. We talk about what the UK is doing, the UAE launching CBDC. Like that's where the US is in a position right now that we we need to kind of create our own version of this. And I don't know that it is going. To, then Bitcoin does become the global currency, <laughs> and these CBDCs, you know, become the cultural currency diversity just on chain. So uh, exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I think
1: I think you hit it like that. It's it, underlying it all is going to need to be. A technology, not a company yeah. or a service, and Bitcoin doesn't have an office or a marketing team or a Super Bowl ad or an affiliation to any country or what you know, whatever. It's just it just runs. Um, you know, maybe to put a punctuation mark on it, you know, we talk about people and companies really steering into this notion. You know, Microsoft. Let's not let let's not let Microsoft go yeah. by on this one. Like they 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 committed. You know, the metaverse you know, maybe as we think about the metaverse as a as a term, and everyone is so quick to imagine the person with the XR glasses or the big headset or whatever, but the metaverse is really where we're headed with this one value exchange, one language exchange. What if the metaverse really is the C3PO, you know, diplomacy droid that can process all of the galaxy's languages and values instantly. By just you putting on your special thing. So Microsoft, right? 20 million, 20 billion, right? They put in however much into MetaMask. They're putting in 20 billion into chat GPT. And they just started talking this week, two days ago, there was some news story that hit about some reporter that was talking to whatever Microsoft's Current Chat GPT flavor of the of the oh, week is, this. and got like nervous because it started accusing him of having a bad relationship with his wife or whatever, and they call it bingularity. So if we're talking about wanting to come to a a a, a, a <laughs> conflation of everything into a singularity, Microsoft was like, oh no no no, <laughs> we're putting in we're twenty billion. <laughs> we're, we're calling it bingularity. but Meta, hey Meta, they just call themselves Meta. They're only putting in two billion every year for 10 years, we're putting 20 million up front today, singularity. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's everyone's coming in like, yeah, I'm flexing, <laughs> like, well, but you're kind of all missing the point, you know, I mean, a little, but hey, you got to keep throwing stuff at the wall, right? What's going to stick? What's going to get capture the imagination, and the behavior of this new one, one culture, global Earth citizen? What's going to be the thing that gets everyone to wake up and actually care?
0: I love that you just used the word culture. What's going to capture everyone's attention. Another interesting move in the Web3 world. Somebody who I would consider a giant culture maker. And that's Pharrell Williams making news, making headlines uh, to become and be be, uh, announced as the new creative director at Louis Vuitton. And you know, that's, that's the bulk of, of what the announcement has been. It has broken through the mainstream. Uh, I think the collection, it says next spring. I thought that or next June is how it was written. I was like, does that mean this June? Does that mean next June? I don't know. Um, but Pharrell making this move into LV, I can tie all of this back around to web three metaverse. Who's going to help? the culture adoption that you just described to drive these things into the mainstream, the, 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 the through thread there. And that a lot of folks who have been in the NFT space for the last couple of years would know is that Pharrell was uh, appointed as the creative director of doodles, Mm -hmm. a call it blue chip NFT project where it is a straight web three play and they had pharrell at their disposal and here he is now headed over to louis vuitton so let's talk this through in terms of mass adoption and what's it mean for the market
1: yeah and when this news hit it just to, to to me showed that if one of the top three fashion houses in france is comfortable making a move to hire a 50 year old I want to say virginia
0: oh yeah Va beach. Uh, native
1: uh, virginia yeah, beach na- uh, native born and raised skateboard rat founded the neptunes have produced some of the most iconic beats for artists as you know as regarded as snoop dogg to Clipse to others has you know written the the soundtrack of movies that are beloved by american children somehow made a, a canadian mounties oversized mounties hat (laughs) real cool and interesting (laughs) and like these interesting fashion sort of takes they're 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 I think realized to me it's a signal to say this is the beginning to 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 kind of pull more of the old previous thread through of that idea of a one culture that Louis Vuitton as a fashion house cannot go on and continue into this new world, this new 2020s decade which is a about the metaverse, which is about collectibles, which is about NFT, which is about crypto, which is about cross borders and transactions and all this. If you're not ready to put your money where your mouth is. And like you said, hire a, 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 this, a culture creator. You know, if if there was if you if, if you're not going to hire someone who they themselves could literally snap their fingers and create a global meme, then you're not hiring Anyone of consequence.
0: Then you're not doing it. So I,
1: you're not doing it anything. <laughs> you're just playing around. So, to me, this signals like the beginning of a whole new transition. Where, you know, we've had, you know, I've I've worked with brands as like, uh, you know, uh, American as something like, say, a Mastercard. And there was a point in time when Mastercard decided to hire, you know, a head of marketing who was French. There was a time when they hired a head of marketing who was from India, and you know, a CEO's from India. There's there's companies in the United States in tech who start hiring, you know, I mean, Elon Musk, I guess, is South African um, that, you know, the CEO of Google, I think, is Indian. You have these these, these crossovers and you start looking at these different change makers and these different disruptors and different positions of power. And I'll even go as far as to say, like, look at Boris Johnson in the UK. Homeboy was born in New York and that guy ran England. Like, so if you're not going to disrupt, well, (laughs) he ran it into into something. (laughs) He might have ran into the ground. But, you know, it's like if you're not really jumping out of your own, you know, space. And again, it, it it, it almost seems implausible to me, knowing what I know about my friends who are French, that France would actually say, no, the head of creative for Louis Vuitton is not going to be French. Like that is one of God the biggest capitulations I think in like the entire crypto story of this decade. Easily. Well,
0: you called it a crypto story. I mean, I think that's where we've got to bring everybody along with us here. This is really not that far out of line for Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton, owned by LVMH, the world's largest luxury conglomerate, which also owns Tiffany's and. Uh, Tiffany & Company, the world-famous diamond jeweler. And for those uninitiated in the NFT space and in the Web3 space, uh, Frederick Arnault, the believed CEO of Tiffany's, but uh, his son is is running Tiffany's, did the CryptoPunks NFT collab with Tiffany's. So you could get your og crypto punks the og of the nft space created in brilliant diamonds in irl by the og in the diamond space talk about a brand that already understood the power of culture and the power of community and the web3 vibes of collaboration and i think that community is the new brand, perhaps has always been the brand, your community, your brand is only as strong as the company you keep and the community you build. And these luxury brands, they have heritage. They have hundred year histories, you know, documented in magazines and books and throughout culture. And it's done through music and movies and entertainment and fashion and all that coming back full circle. Who better to do it than Pharrell Williams coming to LV? Make no mistake about it. This is a Web 3 play, and they have the first mover advantage.
1: Yeah, I mean, you said it. You said it. I mean, uh, I'll let the trace back in the uh, American lexicon the origin of the word bling because the, the word bling entered i want to say the, the common use case only in the last 15 years i want to say i think bling is something that's a 2010 2009 and maybe later. maybe bling is corresponds as well as a term to sharing on social media I mean certainly in video games when you want to buy an in-game you know, backpack, let's say, in a game like Fortnite, they call it back bling. And people, when they have bling, well, what do you want to do with it? You want to show it off and in real life and in the virtual world. So it, it, it is that it makes a total sense, right? You want to, quote, flex by showing off your bling. And as long as people know it's valuable and hard to get, and oh God, it's even better if it's scarce and really rare. <laughs> Even if it's just a little icon on your Twitter profile, it's hard much to get less a, a, a ring on your finger, um, that's. Like, I think you're you're right on. It really is a full on Web three, and LVMH it might just be positioned to be the thought leader in the space. I mean, yeah. uh, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, Great no, move. no, no doubt about it. And i I sort of love that it forces and just opens up the doors to these continued collaborations, true community building, um, you know, brands aren't going to be able to ignore this. Uh, we've seen it coming. I mean, just going to the idea that you just described of bling and that gaming culture, you know, now, now when somebody is going to be encouraged to buy a physical Louis Vuitton product, because when they walk in, to metaverse fashion week they're going to be able to put you know lv logos all over the wall everywhere i walk you're gonna see me i can i'm gonna i'm gonna make you look yeah. <laughs> to put it in that that culture <laughs> perspective there we've talked about this identity uh, concept with nfts we've talked about this uh, this you know wanting to own my identity in the digital world and wherever I show up in whatever version of the metaverse in augmented reality inside of these 3D games, these metaverse decentralized environments, or even on a Twitter spaces, my PFP, right? I want to be able to show that that Louis Vuitton shirt I'm wearing is a legitimate Louis Vuitton shirt that I have in my closet because I own it and I can wear it out the door if I want to. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a beautiful thing. I I also think that talk about the heritage play. Um, one of the things I think brands are waking up to is the storytelling aspect of this. And you and I haven't gotten to talk about, um, the, the Starbucks Odyssey, uh, and you know, I've not been accepted yet, so I'm still on the waiting list here, but I understand that they took a storytelling approach and may have missed the mark.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it was disappointing to put it. Lightly, but to also put it bluntly, you know, we talked about the missteps of Warner Brothers and some of the like DVD extra style, quote unquote, metaverse experiences. I go to a web browser. I am basically navigating a series of slides, maybe a little more Google Earthy, Google Street Viewy, but still just clicking and pointing to move my cursor further and deeper into, in this case, a Costa Rican. Starbucks plantation, um, which is problematic on many levels, just in the way it's described. And then as you navigate around and you hear the ambient sound of birds chirping and cicadas hissing, you have to click on glowing pink play buttons, which then instantiate a video, which have someone, you know, (laughs) doing something kind of pedestrian, like flipping (laughs) a coffee league and then say, Oh, you know, I didn't see you there. Hi. And you're like, oh, and as you're watching these videos, you're gaining points and earning levels and the whole thing. And you're like, oh, but interestingly enough, in the URL path, NFT, the letters come up numerous times. Um, I think they felt like nowhere on the page, nowhere on the page. Interesting. And, and, and I start to think <laughs> about that. Like, you know, the way go, Let's go back to Web. Let's go back to Web one. Let's go back to Web, you know, two, two 2.5, whatever, where you know there was a time when everyone cared what a url was and what a url stood for it was a time when you had to know http and then the slash and the colon like you had, then there's an s because it's secure and then it just that all fades away there was a time when you said com after everything and no one does there's a time when louis vuitton starbucks all these guys are saying or implying nft nft we all know this is not the word that in five or ten years anyone's gonna think of when they think of a wearable or they think of an in-game or they think of whatever it's gonna take on many different names probably and the nft is gonna just be those three letters that fade into the url again and here we are and i'm wandering around and i think if i earned enough points in the plantation environment i haven't there's a certain point where i just like from a Just my mental sanity. I just can't keep watching these guys talk on the video. Like, I only watch a few, and then I'm like, I can't watch anymore. But once I earn enough points, I think an NFT is going to arrive in my Starbucks Uh app wallet. I think, or it's going to arrive in my Nifty Gateway account. Because for some strange reason, I had to link my Nifty Gateway account with my Starbucks account just to enter the Odyssey, which was also kind of disheartening. So I'm like, oh, so now I'm going to have these two different accounts and this thing. But, you know, everyone's going to figure it out. It's just some people are going to figure it out. Some companies are going to figure it out in a more public way yeah. that can, of course, take on a lot more criticism. Whereas the others, like the Apples and the others, being more quiet about it. But I'll throw a question back to you because, you know, NFTs maybe is a term. It's not going to be talked about in the future. There'll be some other word. Maybe it's a token. Maybe it's a gift, a prize, a memento. I don't know. But will there be a normalization of the blockchains that the NFTs are on? Like, does the Louis Vuitton company have a preferred network or are they dabbling?
0: You know, they they have a preferred network through the Aura Consortium. I don't know how that will play out. Um. I don't know. I don't know how that will play out because, well, we've talked about Amazon and the Avalanche partnership trying to kind of consolidate it. It would make sense to me that a luxury conglomerate uh, would want to kind of own the chain itself while still making it on chain. I I don't know how that's going to play out. And I think, you know, you got to give those brands credit and even to Starbucks credit, despite the lackluster experience I think the experimentation in public um, let's see how they handle the criticism. And I don't think anybody should doubt that they won't listen and try to fix it. They have every interest in trying to listen and fix it and make it work as they go and they have the resources to do so. I think, you know, as long as I guess there's some business case there. Um, the headline that I saw, and I actually didn't click on the article but it was like, Starbucks makes it more difficult to get coffee. Um, and I, t- <laughs> I almost assumed, or to earn free coffee, or like whatever it said. I, I, I It's so funny. I glossed over it. I didn't click on it. I assumed it was talking about Odyssey. But I assumed that they didn't even talk about the NFTs. They probably just described that the gamification and the rewards mechanisms were now more complicated.
1: They're they really re- it's, it's really complicated. I can tell you there's so many different quests and side quests. I mean, it's it's full on video gamification of interesting what really isn't a video game to begin with just going and getting coffee in the morning. But um, but I was just gonna th- throw out something that came to mind, which is, you know, in some ways this NFTs as NFTs, as a general category, the corresponding chains that a lot of these different brands are choosing to align themselves with it really does mirror a lot of these different governments and the cbdc's you know i think of uh-huh. like the uae and india and china as louis vuitton and starbucks you know and nike like they're just but giant, aren't they are yeah, just giant businesses who are making decisions and they're each making decisions that are in their own interest as a country we got to have our own cbdc even if we use bitcoin as an underlying value exchange and we're going to use this change avalanche to launch our nfts even if we also let the NFTs like move around via, you know, different cross chain wallets or what have you. There there is it's like you know what, humans have a tendency, right? We don't want to relinquish control. And we're seeing, gosh, everyone from countries to businesses to individuals in this country and around the world try their damnedest to hold on to that control.
0: I say we're gonna leave it there, sir. It's been a pleasure. Happy Friday Always. to you.
1: Happy Friday. Talk to you again soon.